John chapter 21, and I'll be starting in verse 15. This is God's word. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. This is God's word. Let's bow our heads in prayer together as we come now to the Bible. Let's pray. Our Lord, thank you uh, so much for all the exciting things that we've heard about already this morning. We think of uh, what's going on in Papua New Guinea. We thank you for the, uh, the broad reach of this church right around the world. We thank you uh, for the Stringers and for their uh, ongoing ministry now in a different place. We continue to pray for them. And as we come now to your word, we ask, Lord, that you would speak to us, that we might be fed and equipped and able to be um, more faithful uh, to you as a consequence. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, go ahead and keep uh, your Bibles open to John chapter 21. And I should begin by saying a word of uh, thanks to Pastor Ben Panner who preached uh, last week and did a really fantastic job, I thought. I'm very grateful uh, for that opportunity for me to take a a brief break uh, from the pulpit after a very, very, (laughs) very uh, busy season, uh, not just with Easter, many other things going on. So thank you to Pastor Ben for that. I wasn't actually physically here in the building uh, last Sunday. I was watching over live stream, which was uh, the first time I've done that, and it was an interesting experience. Uh, watching uh, over live stream, and that uh, reminds me to thank the tech team for all they've done. It was really well done, the live stream, really well done. I was very impressed. It's not the same as being here, though, is it? It's better to be here, and I know that there'll be people uh, right now watching uh, locally, and that's uh, fine. We understand the pandemic situation we're in. Um, God willing, there'll be a day when we'll be able all to be together again, Uh, But there are also people watching nationally and globally. We get data, and it's extraordinary just how many thousands of people are engaged, and it's it's a huge mission field for us. Uh, Martin Luther uh, said when the printing press was uh, still new, because the printing press was used by God to spread the gospel in massive ways in his day, Martin Luther said that the printing press was God's greatest gift. And in some ways, the internet, with all 
that can be dark and bad about the internet is a huge mission field. We want to seize that. At the same time, it's not the same as being together in church, is it? And it was interesting to me, um, sitting at home, uh, watching uh, the service and being engaged, how tempting it was for me just to sort of get up and start walking around, which made me wonder... And, uh, you know, I, I sort of thought, oh, I could do with a cup of coffee. Maybe I'll just, uh, hold on, no, 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 no. And uh, it, 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 going to church is not just like ordering pizza, is it? We're together. And there's an energy to it. And we understand, and I'm not putting any shame on anyone who's at home for good reasons, of course. We understand that. And also, it's a mission field, nationally and globally, and that's great. But at the same time, it's so wonderful that we can be together now and increasingly in the future and this really sets up the passage which of course is all about uh, the flock the sheep the church it's a very important story all that I'm going to do this morning is just walk us through the story and then make a few uh, simple application points at the end there'll be some as we go along but the main applications will be the end so to begin with verse 15 when they had finished breakfast and I think that's significant you know if you want to have an important conversation with someone it's important to set the right tone they've just had breakfast Uh, they've had their hash browns and uh, eggs and uh, they've had their second cup of coffee And now we'll find out later, they're actually walking together down by the beach. What a great setting for an important conversation. Friends, let us not have important conversations by email, by text message. Let's actually make the effort to pick up the phone and talk. And here, Jesus does much more than, of course, pick up the phone. He's together over breakfast. They've had their cup of coffee, or in this instance, they've had their um, roasted fish. Not my idea of a good breakfast, but obviously they'd had a good time together. And now they're talking. So Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John. Well, notice what uh, Jesus calls Peter. He does not call him Peter. He calls him Simon. It's very deliberate. Why? Because Peter was the given name from Jesus to Simon to indicate the special confession of faith that Simon had made. So Simon had said that that Jesus was the son of the living God and Jesus had said to him, I will call you Peter and on this rock, for Peter means rock, I will build my church. So Peter's confession of faith is the rock of the church. This church, any real church, is based upon Jesus, and in particular the confession of faith that Jesus is Lord, that he is the Son of the living God. And every time you hear the word Peter, you are to remember that the confession of faith in Jesus as the living God is the very foundation of the global, international, true church. But now, Peter is not called Peter. He's not called by his title, his honored title, sometimes said to be a nickname, Peter. I think it's more than that. It's an honored title for Simon, Peter. 
But he's not called Peter, he's called Simon. He's not called Dr. So-and-so, Professor such-and-such. It's a personal conversation. Simon, let's talk. And what does Jesus say to him? Simon, son of John, do you love me? Well, uh, those of us who have been around Christian circles for some while and probably heard lots of sermons on this passage before will know that it was a fashion among some popular preachers in the last couple of decades or so to make much of the variation of Greek words for love in this passage. So Jesus begins by saying, do you love me or agape, that's the word that's behind it for love, And then Peter responds when he says, I love you, by using phileo. And then finally, the third time, Jesus switches to phileo. And many, many, many preachers have made a lot of rhetorical capital out of that Greek variation. It's almost certainly a mistake uh, for a number of different reasons. Uh, To begin with, John does not write Greek as a native Greek speaker. He writes Greek uh, reasonably badly. He writes Greek like I write French. In fact, much better than I write French, but you, are, you know the idea. And so that kind of subtle variation is probably not in John's mind. In addition, John in the Greek, when you read it, has a habit of using different words for pure stylistic variation. And he's not, therefore, making a theological point by using a different word for love. He's just using a different word to shake things up and keep things interesting. Uh, Finally, and this may be a little bit um, of a a new idea for some who've been so used to this popular idea of agape and filio being different kinds of love. And, of course, there are different kinds of love uh, that we can talk about. But agape is not always, in Greek, the higher love. In fact, sometimes filio is the higher love. And so the idea that you can hang everything on these different uh, varieties of words for love is almost certainly uh, incorrect, even though it's a good um, spiritual application. It almost certainly isn't what is intended here. What is intended then? Well, look again at what Jesus says. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? That's the point. It's a comparison. Do you love me more than these? What does Jesus mean by more than these? Some people said that he means uh, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than you love these uh, fish? In other words, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than your career? Do you love me more than your job? Do you love me more than being a professor or a businessman? Do you love me more than your success in that sort of worldly sense? Because Simon had gone back to being a fisherman, and so it could be that Jesus is saying, do you love me more than being a fisherman? Do you love me more than these fish? Could be. Jesus could also be saying, uh, Simon, son of John, Uh, Do you love me more than you love these friends of yours? So after the resurrection, Simon Peter had gone back to being with the other disciples. He'd gone back home. He'd gone back to his friends. And so Jesus could be saying, do you love me more than you love your friends? 
Am I more important to you than your friendship groups, your peers, your colleagues? Do you love me more than these? That could be what Jesus is saying. But again, almost certainly, what Jesus is saying is instead, uh, do you love me more than these disciples, these other disciples, love me? And the reason for that is, as we'll see, there are three questions, do you love me? And they're intended to overwrite the three-time denial that Peter had made of Jesus before his death. And what had set up that three-time denial was Peter's very bold claim to be more devoted to Jesus than the other disciples. And now Jesus turns to him and says, well, Simon, do you really love me more than these other disciples? Do you love me more than these? It's a very, very personal question. And uh, Peter then replies, well, Lord, you know that I love you. And uh, Jesus says, feed my lambs. It's very important, isn't it, as a church that we take seriously our role of taking care of the children. We have children with us. We're glad that you're here. And we have a thriving children's ministry. Uh, We are a family as a church. That doesn't mean that you have to be married or have your own genetic family. But we as a church are a family. We're a spiritual family. And our job, our role as a church is also to feed the lambs, the children. We're going to be voting God willing and uh, selecting a new Uh, pastor to take care of some of our teenagers. We must have a ministry that is geared towards teenagers as well as older people, young people as well as older people, children as well as older people, college students as well as older people. We've got to feed the lambs. We've got to feed those somewhere in between, lambs and adult sheep as well. Uh, Charles Spurgeon very famously used to say that if you don't take care of your lambs, Where are the sheep going to come from? But it's more than that, isn't it? For the lambs are part of the flock. The children are part of the church. So, of course, we must feed teenagers, young people, children. Feed my lambs. It's a direct command from Jesus. And then Jesus asks a second time, doesn't he? He says, then verse 16, Simon, the son of John, do you love me? And Peter replies again, yes, you know I love you. And then Jesus says uh, to Peter, tend my sheep. Now that's a different instruction, isn't it? He doesn't say feed. He says tend. And he's not now talking about the lambs. He's talking about the sheep. Tend my sheep. The word tend has the sense of protect, Provide, look after, lead. So part of the pastoral role in a church is not only feeding. A pastor is not only a teaching role, though of course it is a teaching role, it is also a leadership role. Pastors must not only feed the flock, they must also tend the flock, care for the flock. Protect the flock. Lead the flock. This, of course, is modeled after the great Psalm 23, where the shepherd 
leads the sheep to green pastures and places where they can get good food, where they can be protected. And shepherds then are to be leaders as well as teachers. They must tend my sheep, take care of them. It's pastoral care too, protection, to guard the sheep against wolves and all the rest. So they must tend the sheep, not just feeding, but also tending, caring for, protecting, providing, leading. Well, now we come to the third time. So verse 17, Jesus said to Peter the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? Why is Peter grieved? Because now Peter finally realizes what Jesus has been doing. See, we know that Jesus asked this question three times, but imagine yourself to be Peter for a moment and to be in that conversation by the beach, just having had breakfast together, And Jesus to ask you, one time do you love me? Second time do you love me? And then third time, do you love me? And at that moment, I think, Peter realized what Jesus was doing. For the three times denial, Jesus is asking three times, do you love me more than these other disciples? Really? And see, here at this moment, we see the brilliance of our shepherd, Jesus. Jesus does not shame Peter. He does not say to Peter, Peter, you denied me, didn't you? We need need to have a conversation. Doesn't do that. Nor does he ignore it. What he does, as I say, is brilliant, divine in its pastoral insight. He allows Peter to hear the language of his own heart three times for those three denials. He does love him. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? I love you. I love you. I love you. He brings out the work of Christ, the work of the Spirit, the work of God in Peter's heart that Peter himself can hear that he loves him. At the same time, it's a grievous thing, isn't it? When you have uh, let Jesus down when you have sinned, when you have broken covenant with Jesus, to be reminded of it is it causes you grief. And yet what Jesus is doing is he is overwriting that three-time denial with now a three-time profession of love that leads to restoration and a new commission. You see, he doesn't just forgive Peter, nor does he only restore Peter. He commissions Peter. And when Jesus forgives us, he brings us back into the family, and he gives us something important to do.
What in particular is it? Here it is. Again, third time, slight variations for deliberately different instructions. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. In other words, the task of a pastor is not only to feed the lambs, the children, and not only to tend the sheep, that is, protect and provide for the flock, but also to feed my sheep. So our um, ministry as a church, uh, Bible study leaders and children's ministers and and elders and pastors, our ministry, our missionaries, our, our ministry as a church is not only to feed the sheep and not only to protect and provide, but also to feed the adults. It's easy, isn't it, in church to have a sort of dumbed-down ministry where we never address the real issues that adults face, career, money, marital issues, um, complicated, intimate issues that the Bible does address, and as we go through the Bible and teach it, it will speak to, we need to speak to adult issues too, to shape our minds and our hearts as adults, end-of-life issues, all these things. We need to feed the sheep. Well, now we come to it, verse 18. This is the, the main point. Uh, the real kicker of the passage in verse 18. Look what Jesus says. Truly, truly, I say to you. When Jesus has something he wants to say that he wants to emphasize, his habit was to begin with truly, truly, or literally, amen, amen. Uh, Jesus uh, began important sentences with amen. He didn't just come to the end of a prayer and say amen. For amen means truly, amen. Amen, I say to you, or truly, truly, I say to you. This is really significant. Listen to this, Peter. Truly, truly, I say to you. Here is the real kicker of the passage, the main point. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted, but when you're old, You will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Now, Peter knew exactly what Jesus meant, but uh, we might not do. And indeed, even quite soon afterwards, when this uh, gospel was written, it was possible that those who were reading it would not have picked up the imagery that Jesus is using here that would have been very familiar to Peter. And so John explains in verse 19 what this means. This he said, that is Jesus said, to show by what kind of death he, that is Peter, was to glorify God. In other words, what Jesus is saying, Peter, as a shepherd, you will stretch out your hands. You will be crucified. And what that means is that the shape of pastoral ministry is cross-shaped. The template for what a shepherd is 
is stretching out your hands. The idea in the Bible of a shepherd leader goes back to David, of course. David was the shepherd king. And then Jesus, early in this gospel, John chapter 10, says he's not just the shepherd, he's the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. And now, Jesus is turning to Peter and saying, you will be a shepherd, and that means you too will stretch out your hands. In fact, uh, legend has it, we don't know whether it's true or not, it is just ancient legend, but legend has it that Peter was so concerned that his death on the cross when he was crucified would glorify God that he deliberately asked that he would be crucified upside down. We don't know. Maybe he was crucified right way up. But in any case, he was crucified. And the shape, therefore, the template of what a shepherd is, is the cross. And this, my friends, I think, is perhaps the most important message to the church. I don't mean just cottage church. I mean the evangelical church, the church uh, today. Here's why. Let me, this is going to be the application. We've still got a few minutes before we hit 10.30, so let me just give you a few words of application. First of all, If you are looking for shepherding, and many people are, many people are, you have no idea, whether it's because of the pandemic or the, all that's gone on this year, but the number of people who are sending us as pastors emails and making phone calls and are saying in one way or another, shepherd me, shepherd me, shepherd me, shepherd me. If you are looking for shepherding, here's what you're looking for. You are looking for a shepherd who not only teaches the Bible faithfully, feed my sheep, for sure, but the shape of the shepherd is dying for the sheep. Not the hired hand who runs away from danger. Not the wolf that feeds on the sheep. But the shepherd who feeds the sheep and runs to danger to protect the flock. That's a shepherd, a real shepherd. And if you're looking for shepherding, you're looking for someone who's giving his life for the sheep. Of course, what that also means is if you are sensing a call to be a shepherd, whether it's a Bible study group leader or a full time pastor or an elder or a missionary of some kind or other, if you are sensing a call to be a shepherd, let me underline for you what you are being called to do. 
you are being called to die for the sheep. This is a very uh, personal passage for me because in God's providence, this is the passage that was used by God to call me to be a pastor. I'd done other kinds of ministry. I'd been a missionary. I'd done a lot of student ministry, college ministry. This is the passage that God called, that God used to call me to be a pastor. It was one Sunday evening in Cambridge. An elder was preaching. I was in, I'd been walking to, I was walking to church that very afternoon Across, I can see where I was, across the Cambridge grass and going to this church. And as I was walking to church, I was saying to Jesus, saying to the Lord, Lord, I love you. I love you. Show me what you want me to do. And I got into the church, sat down, and the preacher looked out of the congregation and said, if you love Jesus, feed his sheep. It's a direct answer to my prayer. And I've given the last... I guess I was 26 then, so I won't try and figure out exactly how many years that is, but it's 25 or so years to doing that. And if you are sensing a call to be a pastor, if you are a pastor, it's a self-dying for the sheep. That's what it is. That's what it means to be a shepherd. Then third. Not only should we learn from this that this is the kind of shepherd we're looking for. Not only should we learn from this that if we're called to be a shepherd this is the kind of shepherd we should be we should also learn from this how we all should think about the church. Do you love Jesus? There are many different ways people try to apply that devotion to Jesus today. I love Jesus and therefore I'll do X, Y, and Z. But Jesus is saying here, that if you truly love him, then this and these people, with all their faults and failures and problems and difficulties, the older people than you, the younger people than you, the people who prefer this when you prefer that, all that complexity of church, if you love Jesus, you'll, give me, you'll be committed to the church. If you love Jesus, you'll be committed to his sheep. If you love Jesus... You'll look after other people, bear each other's burdens. But then I suppose we need to finish where Jesus finishes. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Because, you know, ultimately, 
even shepherds like Peter are sheep. And we're all following the good shepherd. Let's pray together. Our Father, thank you so much uh, for your word and thank you that uh, we do indeed have a good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep and we pray, Lord, that you'd help us to follow him in the family of the church. Help us as a church to bear each other's burdens, to care for each other, to look after each other, to be committed to one another. To express our love for you by our love for each other. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.